Hello, and welcome back to Jacques Talks, the show where I, Jacques, do some talking, as as I always do. So, welcome to the show today, episode 10. Today, when I was thinking about it, I think today is going to be remembered, this episode, as a quintessential moment in time for my show. It's going to be very very Jacques today. I think I'm going to, depending on how it goes, obviously maybe I'll derail and it'll be a terrible episode, but I think I'm definitely going to tell people to listen to this one specifically. I think that this, what I know I'm going to talk about today is very much going to be exactly just a Jacques story. Because although last week I said I had plans for what I was going to talk about, it's plans change you know and so I'm still postponing for another week the the episode I wanted to do which I'm still not saying what it is so I don't get anyone's hopes up it's not as cool as what I'm going to end up talking about today which is why I've changed however ultimately we've got a good episode today and um I think I talked about this before ultimately what that means is I've just got some content the next couple of weeks and don't have to worry about it if my life is boring. But my life hasn't been boring, actually, the last couple of weeks. I What we're going to be talking about today is buying a car and how what seems maybe like a mundane process, maybe not mundane, but a basic, normal, something everyone does at some point, turned out to be quite a whirlwind of an experience for me. So I think I've dabbled a little bit in two weeks ago's episode about what I was going through, but I don't remember exactly what I told. So what we're going to do today is just tell the whole story, give the whole rundown top to bottom. And it might not end up taking us an hour, but that's okay. This is kind of all I really wanted to talk about today. And so if we end early, maybe we'll end early. That's fine. But that's really what's been on my mind, especially this past week. You'll find out why. And I do apologize, I guess, in advance to some of my most loyal listeners who've probably already heard this story twice already. So if maybe you don't want to hear it again, I wouldn't blame you for turning off the episode now, though I actually wouldn't advise that because I probably didn't give you everything that happened. This is going to be the full story, everything top to bottom. Like I said, this is going to be very quintessential Jacques, very side questy little details every nook and cranny nothing left uncovered so that's why maybe it actually will end up taking me an hour to tell the story but yeah so here we are i'm just i'm just warning i'm just saying that as a preface if you if i've already complained to you about my whole car buying experience for hours you might not want to listen to this and i understand that but i do want the listen so maybe if you don't want to listen just put it on mute and set your phone down, you know, I'm kind of a thirsty hoe for um, all the views. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. This but like I said, this is going to be kind of everything. Like all the details, all the no parts skipped. So without further ado, I should probably stop rambling about the story I'm going to tell and just kind of jump into it. And so yeah, like most of my episodes that are like this, where I just kind of talk about what I've been doing. I, t- I talk about the other random little Thing or two that's happened in the past week that I find interesting. The problem is nothing else really has happened in my life the last couple of weeks to necessarily interesting that doesn't directly relate to this story. So like this story has just been my life since 
I got in my car accident three weeks ago, and that's where the story begins. So I did already tell the, the car crash story in probably too much detail a couple weeks ago. When I say too much detail, I mean I gave like a 20-minute summary of what I was doing before the car accident like that had any importance to the actual accident, but it's fine. So anyways, I got in the car accident. We're starting the story now. I'm, I'm done rambling. So we got in the car accident. Everything was fine. The next day, we figured it out, and then I, I went to Arizona, which... I think I talked about in that episode as well, which I don't know. I'm kind of, my mind's a little mushy right now on my podcast episodes just because of how I'm kind of in recovery mode today. It's Sunday the 3rd. I'm going to try to not spoil the end of the story. So sorry for being really vague right now. But anyways, got in the car accident, flew to Arizona, kind of was in the process of figuring out what I was going to do next because obviously I'm carless. And so we needed to figure out from the insurance company whether my car was actually totaled or not. Because to me and to the tow company and pretty much everyone who'd seen the accident, my car was totaled. It was an older car. It was a 2013 Dodge Dart. I guess that's not super old. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's how I guess it's almost 10 years old. It's like a nine-year-old car. And I don't know. It was... if you've seen the pictures of the accident, I mean, it was a pretty bad accident, pretty intense hit to my the side of my car. And so we ultimately needed to figure out from the insurance company whether they agreed or not, because how that process works, there's kind of two types of totaled, but it's still just totaled. There's either your car's totaled because your engine is just broken, your car cannot drive anymore, or it's totaled because the cost of the repairs is more than the actual car's worth. So in my case, my car was probably, I don't know about the tire situation and all that stuff, but realistically, my car could still turn on, you could still push on the gas and make the car go. The problem was there's just a lot of bodily damage to the car. And because it's so old, the total worth of the car, now I didn't actually end up seeing the quote of the vehicle or whatever, because my dad is the one who has the insurance for that car. But my estimation, if I just had to like, I guess these are just kind of dummy numbers anyways, even if this isn't the truth, the total worth of my car in perfect condition, you know, no damage, probably around $3,000 or so. But the damages to the side of the car were so bad that the cost to fix them would probably be something like maybe four to $5,000. So There's really no point in paying that amount of money for the car because you could go out and just buy that car again right now on the market for $3,000. So the insurance isn't going to want to pay us the $5,000 to fix it when they could just pay us $3,000 to go get the equivalent car, right? That makes sense. So at first, I'd kind of been waiting patiently to figure out what the dealership wanted or what the insurance wanted to do because if they decided it wasn't totaled, and they were going to give us the money to fix the car, then I was just going to slide with that, and we'd figure out getting a new car or something like that later. Because that was my plan all along, was I was planning on getting a new car already out here, or sometime soon, because I was still, like I said, the car was insured by my, my dad, and the car I've been driving is technically owned by my family. It was essentially given to me for college, with the kind of idea that at the end of college I would go buy my own car. But since I moved out to Boston from Minnesota, it was kind of difficult for me to get a car because I spent so much money moving out here, buying stuff, paying, and now pay for an apartment every month and stuff. So my parents were very gracious enough to let me 
continue using that car for some time. And the plan all along was to me to give the car back inevitably for one of my other siblings to use it in college, like I got to do so. And ultimately me to get a new car of my own. So that was always in the cards and always in the future. So ideally, if the insurance company had decided that my car wasn't totaled, then they were going to pay for the repairs because once again, the accident wasn't my fault. So it was going to be covered by insurance. What was going to happen is we'd fix the car. I'd have that car back and then we'd worry about buying me a new car later or whatever. But unfortunately, the insurance company agreed with everyone. I don't want to say unfortunately. The insurance company ended up agreeing that it was totaled. What actually had happened was they told my dad it wasn't totaled or maybe my dad got something confused and maybe I got something confused with my dad. I don't know. At first, there was a day about two weeks ago that my dad told me that it's not totaled. And I was almost low-key disappointed because I kind of did want a new car. I mean, not that I disliked my old one, but I didn't really want to have to go through the process of getting my car fixed and then going and getting and then just using a crappier version because obviously, you know, it went through the accident, yada, yada, yada. So I kind of already had in my mind in that week of waiting to find out what was going to happen to the car, already kind of had in my mind that I was going to be getting a new car or, you know, new to me anyways. But through some more further conversations with the insurance company or whatever, they decided, yes, it is totaled. So at this point, I go, I have to get a new car. I have to buy a new vehicle. I, I, I hate the word new because I guess I'll spoil this. I did end up getting a new car, a 2022 car. But when, I, when I'm saying new car in general in this story, I really just mean new to me. I didn't decide on getting a new car until I guess what I'm about to explain. I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, I needed to get a new car or a new to me car because where I live, I've discussed this on the show, but maybe you forgot. I think I discussed it in episode one. I live in the city of Natick in Massachusetts, which is about a 25 minute drive from Boston. It's pretty much about... I don't know that you would necessarily consider it a suburb of Boston per se, but I would say I'm just beyond the like suburb, like true suburbs of Boston. When I go into the city, a lot of times I actually still take the subway into the city. I just drive to the subway station because it's only about 10 minutes away from where I live by car. And then I take the subway in. So I'm close enough where just getting to the subway is almost no hassle at all. And the subways go to Newton. That's the city that, like, kind of the furthest out suburb. So that's that's kind of what I'm saying is I'm just beyond the outer suburbs of Boston. And so I essentially need a car because, like I said, it's a 10-minute drive to the subway. So I can't even get into the city without a car or some other reliable means of transportation. There is a commuter rail that goes to my town. But the problem with that is the commuter rail doesn't just run every 10 minutes. It's only during commute times, and there's one that runs a little later in the evening, I guess. But the problem is it's it's just inconvenient times. Like I wouldn't really want to count on that to get in and out of the city to visit friends or do stuff in the city, stuff like that. And at the same time, I also don't want to pay. It's like a $15 ticket. It's not cheap because the point kind of the idea of it is they want you to buy the commuter pass, I think. I don't know. I haven't looked too much into it, but I know it is more expensive for the train, or I think it's $7 each way, so it ends up being a $15 round trip or whatever, $14. But So that just 
is not something I'm interested in. I, I essentially need a car if I'm going to be living out here. And the reverse of that is, is actually I'm planning on moving closer into the city next year, but I work out here. That's the reason I live out here is because of work. So if I'm going to be moving or living closer to the city, for the same reason, I don't want to take that commuter rail out here. It's just not really what I want to do. I know there are some people who do do that, but I just, that that's not what I want to do. I would rather have a car. So I'm going to have to be driving to work in the future, but that's fine. It's, I'm okay with that. Anyways, that's all to say, I I just need a car. Or I guess I don't need a car. I very much want that to be my mode of transportation, and I'm okay with that. I know some people make different decisions, and that's okay, but I want a car. Anyways, enough about that. It was time to start looking into getting a car, and I've never done that before. So I think a lot of people my age probably haven't, or at least if they have, they've had a parent help them or something like that. So that's kind of where I started as well because the car that I had been driving like I've said a couple times now was my parents my dad has purchased numerous used vehicles over the years and I don't know I guess I don't know the whole litany of everything but my family's owned a bunch of different cars so I kind of asked my dad and mom in general like do you think it's okay I should start looking for a car and I I'd asked that question kind of closer to when we were still not really sure whether or not my car was totaled or not. And my dad said, yeah, you can start looking around, look what dealerships have online or whatever. And so I kind of still was a little nervous about that because once again, I've never, I've never bought a car before. So I kind of even asked my dad, do you think you would be willing to come out here and help me look around? Because I didn't even know the process. Like, do I show up places? Do I look online first? I'd never really done anything because in my mind at this point, I thought, buying a used car was going to be what I wanted. Maybe buying something a little newer than the 2013 car I had, but not too much newer. I didn't really need anything better than that for where I'm at right now. And so what my mom had told me actually was I should hit up my aunt and uncle, who are actually my godparents, because they've worked pretty much their whole careers in the car dealership or car not man, like I don't want to say car industry because they don't work with like manufacturers or anything, but they they know the ins and outs of dealerships and buying and selling cars very very well. That's like their careers, and so I don't want to go too in depth on what they're doing right now. But essentially, they they know what they're doing with buying and buying cars. And so my mom said that a conversation she had with my aunt and uncle was that they they know that inevitably I was going to be buying a car, so they want to help me if they can. So where I kind of was, was my dad, you know, I was like, it's time to start looking and I don't really know where to begin. So I thought at the very least I would call my, my uncle and ask him kind of what he thinks and where I could, you know, what to get me started with. You know, I really was looking for any advice or anything like that at this point, because I, I, you know, I don't know anything. I'm not, I'm not really inclined with cars in general, let alone buying them. I'm not really a car guy. I don't, I don't have a dream car. I don't really care what I'm driving as long as it's serves me well. It has, I don't want to say the features I want, but you know, I just want a good car and I want something that's reliable. And you know what, what a normal person who just needs to get from point A to point B wants in a car. So anyways, I call my uncle, I kind of tell him that and I tell him, 
I, I mean, I'm okay with getting a sedan like what I had previous, which is that, you know, if, I don't know if any of you know what the, a Dodge Dart is or the size of that. It's just a normal sedan. It's actually kind of a, a smaller sedan, I would say. I have a lot of taller friends who would always complain about the space in the car being a little too, too small. So for that reason, I, I did want something with a little more size, especially if I was getting a sedan. But the more I thought about it or the more I had been thinking about it, you know, about what ne- the next car I'm going to get is, is I kind of was thinking of getting something more midsize or, you know, crossover hatchback, something like that. Because now that I'm out in Massachusetts and I'm kind of alone away from family and a lot of my friends who live in the cities don't have cars, it's really hard if I want to buy something or move something bigger because my old sedan was just small and I did have problems on various occasions transporting uh, different things like when I moved out here my my family had to come out and help me and they had to rent a real SUV so we could move like the the mattress I bought and different things around because I can't just can't fit that on my old car and I figure if I'm going to be out here and kind of be the one with the car and you know not really know any one with bigger cars I want to be that person who can offer space in a car especially you know if I'm going to be out here for a while which is what I plan on and so I didn't want like a real SUV I don't really like bigger cars but I figured you know if I'm going to be getting a new car I'd I'd like something with some more space and so I expressed that to my uncle I told him you know I don't really know what I want to do in terms of like what model or what year like how do I get a used car I don't really know any of this and I just kind of filled him in on what I was thinking and so to make his response to me his long complicated response to me short he what I received from it was he pretty much said that there's three options I have and my options were really not even don't even have to worry about make model type stuff that's nitty-gritty things I can look into but the decision I had to make for myself was I have to either choose between an older used car so pretty much anything older than five years so before 2017 a newer used car or a brand new car so right off the bat he said he would not advise me to get an older used car because at that point in their life although it might be cheaper for me to buy one after a car gets five years old that's when it starts to wear down things in the engine stop working you know different things are easier to break it's you know just not as serviceable of a vehicle and for someone like me who has the money for a nicer car and you know I mean at the end of the day that's really what it comes down to is if I can afford something better than one of those older cars it's definitely just more worth my money because I might be saving upfront money on those older used cars but it's going to cost me more sooner to have to take it into a mechanic do different things like that so ultimately he just right off the bat was of those three options you shouldn't go with the older used car and so next he said now at this point in years past or in times past this option really was kind of a toss-up between what you want because newer used car cars are going to be cheaper but they'll have some miles on it so if you're really more like me and you just kind of want something to get you from point a to point b yeah it's kind of worth it to save some money you don't really mind that there's miles on it and stuff you know 
you don't need the newest tech, anything like that. And then if you really just have the money and you really want the, you just want the newest thing, then yeah, you should maybe go with getting a new vehicle. But the problem right now is the used car market for a number of reasons, mostly COVID and the supply chain that is kind of been messed up because of COVID. So because of that, used cars are selling for a lot higher because the demand is up, the supply is low. And so used cars, so 2018, 2019 vehicles are selling for only 4,000 or so dollars less than what they sold at as new cars. And so the difference between buying a new car and used car is in the single thousands of dollars for a car that's potentially four years old. And at that point, over those four years, it's you're going to lose value, true value more than those $4,000. So what my uncle said to me was, if I can afford to get a new vehicle, in, in years past that might not be always the best option for everyone, but right now, if I can find a new car that I can afford, it just makes the most sense to go that route. Now, depending on my options, it might be hard to get a new car, yada, yada, yada. I might find a really good deal on a used car. It wasn't like a, you need to go get a new car type vibe, but that's what he had recommended to me. And so we had other conversations about maybe possibly leasing a car, which is what him and my, or what my aunt and uncle do. I didn't really know if that was in the cards for me, but we, we had some other conversations about this, that, whatever. And I kind of felt at that point, like a new car probably was my best bet. And that's something that I started to want to pursue. And I really never thought that I would do that. I always thought I would just kind of drive kind of crappier used cars just till I got to the point where I could buy a brand new car later in life, you know, in my 40s or something. But just because of the market, where everything is, that the need for me to get a car now, it kind of was just, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's pursue getting a new vehicle for myself. And that was very exciting to me. And so to this point, this story's been chill, right? But just wait, buckle up. Sorry, I, I, I hope I'm not being boring in this whole car thought, thought procedure process. We're getting to the exciting stuff, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This isn't, this isn't quintessential shock yet. We haven't gotten to the ranting. But anyways, so at this point, like I said, I've decided on we're going to get a new car. And I say to my uncle, how do I, how do I go from there? And he says to me, well, me and your aunt have some connections with various dealerships across the country, and we have really good relationships with them, and we essentially could say, hey, this is our nephew Jacques. Can you help him, help work with him, and you know, pull as many strings as you can to help him out? And not like strings like, here's a free new car, but you know, actually have a really good connection with them, and essentially my uncle's saying we trust them they will help you really well this is they're not just going to try to pull a quick one on you charge you a couple thousand extra dollars because they know you're kind of dumb like these people will actually help you and so i said that sounds great like who should i contact or what dealership you know what's a good dealership then and he says to me well the closest one to you in massachusetts that we have good connections with is actually in blacksburg virginia which is in the western part of Virginia, not, not that that necessarily matters quite yet, but he says this, it's a Ford Lincoln Mazda dealership, and we've known them for years, and 
if you want, you can take a look at their website, see what cars they have available. And if there's one that you would be interested in talking to someone about, I would definitely just reach out to them and see what could happen. And so I said, okay, that sounds like a good thing to at least start with, see what cars are on the market um, and kind of go from there. So over the course of the next few days, I took a look at their website, kind of thought about some stuff and I decided that the Mazda crossover cars, their uh, CX models were something that I really did have an interest in and I thought the price range that those cars were in is something that I could afford to pay for. Obviously, given a number of factors like my interest rate of my loan, because I obviously don't have you know twenty to thirty thousand dollars ready just to spend on a car, but uh, an average monthly payment for something of that over the course of a normal seven-year financing deal, whatever. I'm I'm not a I don't know all the banking terminology, but anyways, so I thought that that was reasonable, and those were cards there's interest I was interested in. So I inquired with the Mazda part of their dealership about their CX30, which is their I don't want to say smallest crossover. Uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yes, the CX30 compared to the CX5 and 9 is XYZ. I didn't get too in-depth with that, but from what I remember, I remember liking the CX30. It said on their website that they had one available, and so I asked about it, or I filled out their application, whatever, you know, gave them my information and stuff like that. I told my uncle that I did so, and he said that he would reach out to them personally. He has, you know, has their numbers, whatever, and would tell them that the Jacques Charbonneau application was their nephew. And I said, cool. And so the next day, I got a call from them. It was from, actually, I just won't even use names, but anyways. So I got a call from them, and they said, hey, we saw your application, like, do you want to tell us kind of what you're looking for, whatever? And I said, yeah, I really like the CX-30, X, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is what I'm looking for. That's the kind of price range, the type of car I'm looking for. And he goes, well, unfortunately, that CX-30 has already been bought. And so what kind of unfortunately happens, because so many people are in a similar position to me, where they're kind of looking to get those new cars. And honestly, the crossover is... This isn't what he said, but from what I've kind of gathered when I was doing some research is crossovers are kind of the in car right now. People are wanting them for the same reason that I am. They want a car with more space just because essentially, you know, back 10, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't really crossover size cars. You either had a full van or SUV or you had a sedan. But now that a lot of car manufacturers are making these crossover size models, people, especially people with kids, you know, young adults and stuff want them because they don't want the big SUV. They don't want a van. They don't need it, but they want something with more space. And so crossovers, Mazda CX-30s are kind of running getting off the shelves and what he told me is pretty much they Mazda will be like here we have a new car for you to sell they'll put it on their website before it even gets to the dealership and someone will buy it that's essentially how it works 
So he told me that, and I I was kind of bummed. He goes, we have Mazda 3s, though. We have two or three of those if you're interested in one of those. And so the Mazda 3 is the Mazda sedan or their staple sedan. I don't know if they have, like, other ones. And I go, you know, I, I am potentially interested in a sedan-type model, but I was wondering if you had anything else like the CX-30. And he told me, well, we do have one CX-5 that's going to be here tomorrow. This was two weeks ago or so. I think it was exactly two weeks ago that I was talking to him about this. And so I did some research. I looked into the CX-5, and essentially the CX-5 is the CX-30. It's just a little bit bigger in the back, and it's like a little wider, I think. It's pretty much just a little bit bigger and a... I don't remember. I, I like got a thing that showed the differences pulled up, but for all intents and purposes, at least for me, there wasn't really a difference. It was the same type of car and size that I wanted. I just hadn't noticed that one because it's a little bit more expensive. And I the CX-30... Um, I just, you know, jumped on that, but if they had a CX-5 available and, you know, for a little bit more money for essentially the same car, I was, I was kind of down. So what he told me was to think about it and let him know as soon as I thought that that was something I wanted to pursue, because like he said, they're kind of jumping off the, the lot. They're going really quick. And so in this moment, this was like a Monday night, a couple, the two weeks ago. I kind of just had to make the decision. Is this, do I want to pursue buying this car? Because I knew if I hadn't said yes, then someone else probably would end up buying it within the course of a day and I'd have to move on. And I really liked this car and it was the size I wanted. I'd already made up my mind about wanting a new car. So I talked with my parents. I was like, I think this is what I should do. And they agreed with me. And so I hit him back up and I said, okay, I think we should go forward with doing, go, going for the CX-5. And so actually what I forgot to mention is before he even, I guess, gave me this decision is he broke down the like financing options for me. And he pretty much, part of the info gathering was me giving them my social security number and like XYZ in order for them to calculate my credit score to see if I could even buy this car to begin with. And so what he told me was, okay, so given the price of this car and given X, Y, like yada, 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 your, your credit score and stuff like that, what's going to happen is you probably will get a really bad interest rate. It was like a 7.9% APR. And he's saying if they, what he said was if they even accept your application for a loan, you'll probably be, based on your credit score and stuff, you'll be approved in the 7.9% APR range which is not really ideal because what that was going to end up being is somewhere north of $500 like $520 payments per month for the course of seven years this is a seven-year loan and to me that wasn't really lovely but after I talked with my dad about it and stuff I decided you know that's kind of expensive but I can afford it and so with that kind of being the worst case scenario I called him up and I said yes let's go forward with I want, I want to buy this car. Let's see what happens. Let's apply for the loan th through the dealership. I don't know all the fine details of all that, how they do that on his end, but I was like, let's do it. And so the other piece to it that I, I kind of skimmed over was that was the worst case scenario. What he said he was going to do on like on my behalf, the, the guy from the dealership that knows my uncle, right? So this is what I'm saying. This is the kind of stuff that he was willing to do for me. I feel like just because I did have some sort of connection with this guy. I'm not saying a lot of dealerships might not do this with any client, but 
I felt like he really did speak on my behalf to, it was like Toyota Credit Union, that's who like Mazda does their loans with, whatever. But the worst case scenario or what I technically qualified for was the 7.9% APR. And what he said is there's different brackets and different, you know, APR amounts that different people qualify for. And so what he said was we could either end up getting you a 4.9% APR or a 3.9% APR. And so he said he would do everything in his power to help talk them down to getting me to the 3.9% APR, which would ultimately make my monthly car payments only about like $410 a month. So about $100 per month cheaper over the course of seven years, you know, which ends up saving me thousands of dollars, which I'm not opposed to. He said he couldn't make any promises about, you know, getting me down to that, that range, but he said he would, you know, do what he could. And I agreed. I really liked the deal, the dealership working with me on that. And at the end of the day, I don't want to say he was lying because I'd like to believe that, you know, he was being truthful. Maybe it's the case that I did kind of already qualify for that lower one. I don't know. But essentially what happened was I called him. I said, yes, let's go ahead with, I, I want to get the CX-5. And so he submitted my application for the loan and he called me the next day and said, okay, so I have some good news for you. It pretty much went exactly as I expected it to. So what he said was at first they actually rejected my application for a loan based on my credit score and XYZ. I don't have a bad credit score. The thing is I've just never had credit cards. Um, I just have never felt the need for one and my parents didn't think I ever needed one and I kind of agreed. So all of my credit right now is based off of me paying my student loans. So it's not a bad credit score. I'm not going to share it right here, but it's, it's also like not good. It's not high. So I guess a loan company, a bank, whatever, isn't going to be super eager to hand me a bunch of money because I, I haven't proven myself, I guess, you know, and I, I understand that's how it works, but so anyways, my according to the dealership, my initial application got rejected. He called them up. They changed their mind. They gave me the 7.9% APR. And what he told me was he was able to talk them to get it down all the way to that 3.9% APR. So with that knowledge, knowing that I got a really good financing option for a brand new car and that it was the car I really wanted, I could afford and everything, he said, I said, great, that's awesome. Let's... I'm glad we figured the loan out. Let's buy me this car. And he goes, so when do you want to come down to get it? And that was, I mean, that was really exciting. I was just like, I got a car. It was, I mean, it ended up being just really, really easy. At least that's what I thought. So that's the end of part one to this story, right? Everything was so happy. You know, car accident, terrible event, yada, yada, yada. But then, you know, slowly but surely find out from the insurance that, the, you know, I need a new car, talk to my uncle, you know, let's get you a new car, Jacques. Okay, call this dealership. The first dealership I talk to, they have the car I want. Like, I don't want to say car of my dreams, but I mean, exactly what I'm looking for, right in my price range. Obviously, I, I didn't even touch on this, but really, I mean, this whole story is kind of from a place of, I don't want to say privilege, but I have, I'm making a nice salary with the job I'm working at. And it's, it's really is a blessing that I was able to afford a new car. And I, I mean, that is just so awesome. It, I mean, it feels like, um, like I've made it almost, I, I feel really blessed that 
I mean, I don't want to say that my hard work has paid off or whatever, you know, it's not like I have a house or anything like that. But I mean, it does really feel I feel really grateful that I've I've what I've done in life has put me in a position to get myself a new car. And it, I don't know, it just felt really awesome knowing he's like, when are you going to come get the car? And so, yeah, so there we are. End of, end of part one. And so this is, thank you. We're see, I thought maybe this story will not go on for an hour, but I, and I already know it probably will. Cause we're already at over 30 minutes, but this is where things start to get complicated. And so this was uh, about a week and a half ago this happened. It was last, th- it was Thursday, not last Thursday, but the, it doesn't even matter. You could be listening to this in the middle of whenever. The specific dates don't matter. It's about a week and a half ago. And so I go, honestly, I I would consider coming and getting, coming down and getting it this weekend. And so that was, that was last weekend, or the one I'm referring to. Here, let me look up the date so I can, I don't have to say this weekend, that weekend, X, Y, Z. So it was the weekend of the 26th. It was March, the weekend of March 26th. I said, you know, I would consider coming down and getting it the weekend of the 26th. And he says, great, like, just let me know what you're thinking. And I said, okay, let me, I essentially was like, I got to go get some insurance on this car, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so I said, I'd call him back and let him know if I can figure out the flights, figure out everything. Because my plan, as I said, this is in Blacksburg, Virginia, where this dealership is. The plan was I was going to fly down, get in the car and drive it back up. And I don't want to say that's a little bit crazy, but I knew that that was pretty much my only option to most cost effective plan here. And I was just ultimately ready to do that because of how great of what I felt like and what my understanding of what the deal on this car I got with my my financing and what they're able to do to me for me and I mean just the fact that they had that car available my based on the conversations I had with my uncle and this dealership was it wasn't really even a guarantee there was going to be a Mazda dealership closer to me that would have one of those cars and then even if it did I could get it as good of a deal I, I don't need to repeat myself over and over but essentially this was worth it I was going to fly down to Virginia go and get it and drive it back up and so my next plan was okay I got to go get some insurance on this car so I call my insurance agent or I I guess they weren't my agent I, I called the insurance office and I said hey I'm looking to get a new car my previous insurance was just under my dad's car and stuff so I'm looking to branch off of that and get my own new insurance plan for a new car that I bought and they say okay let's get it set up let's you know go from here I'll get you a quote and we'll continue and I said great so this is where things turn from great happy to hmm maybe have to start thinking a little bit more because we're filling out the paperwork for getting me some insurance and I go, hey, I don't know if this is important or whatever, because I don't really know. But I go, just so you know, I am buying this car from out of state. And I don't know if that really makes a difference or not. I don't remember what we were talking about or what question he had asked me that made me think I should prompt to say that to him. But I say, hey, do you, can you, you know, does that change anything? Is there anything else we have to do in regards to this insurance, you know, because obviously I'm going to register it in Massachusetts, inevitably. And that's what is going to happen because I have a I have a Massachusetts state ID already or a driver's license, whatever. I'm, a, I'm a officially a resident of Massachusetts. And he goes, yeah, that actually does kind of change something because 
you are not allowed to drive a car with out-of-state temporary plates in the state of Massachusetts. So you'll just have to figure that stuff out. And I go, wait, 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 pause. You kind of just like subtly said, I can't do that. Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate on why I, I can't do that? And he goes, Oh yeah, actually, you. I guess you wouldn't know this if you moved here from Minnesota, because we already talked about my last plan was with the state of Minnesota. Yada yada yada. He goes, The state of Massachusetts actually doesn't uh, recognize temporary plates. So, in order to, in order to get uh, a new car from out of state, you actually have to register the vehicle first. And then you have to, get, you know, get the real plates, put them on the car, and drive it here. You can't use temporary plates. And I go, oh, okay, that, like, makes sense to me. So, like, what do I do? He's like, oh, so what we're going to do is help you fill out this application to register your car because you also have to prove you have insurance when you go to get your vehicle registered. And you'll give them this application, and they'll get you some plates. So, um you just have to go to the DMV with this and stuff. So actually, let's take care of this now. This was last Thursday or, you know, like two weeks ago Thursday. He says, we can just fill this out now and then maybe even it would be quick enough because I had mentioned to him I wanted to go down this weekend and get it. Maybe it'd be quick enough to go in on Friday and, you know, get the vehicle registered and go down and get it. And I go, okay, cool. That's That all sounds great to me. So we filled out the application. He sent it to me and you know, I was like, happy, great, we're figure, we're figuring it out, you know, I'm going to go get my car, but it kind of stuck with me, the whole temporary plate thing, and I didn't really fully understand, like, I get, get what he meant, okay, I can't drive with temporary plates, but I still didn't really fully wrap my mind around that, so I did some research, I, you know, Google, hit up Google, and I was trying to figure out what's going on, and he was 100% correct. The state of Massachusetts, as far as I could tell and what online resources indicated, was Massachusetts is the only state in the entire freaking country that just does not recognize temporary license plates. And so normally when you go and get a new car, you go to the dealership, whatever, they put on that little piece of paper, temporary plates, good for 30 days, 60 days, you know, in some states, whatever. And then the dealership will take care of sending the right paperwork, et cetera, to the state, taking care of all the proper stuff to get your vehicle titled and registered, and then they'll send it to you, send you the plates in the mail, and then bada-boom, you're good to go. The state of Massachusetts, they didn't like that, or they don't like that. What they require you to do is register the vehicle before you even drive it. They refuse to let you get temporary plates. So if you buy a car from a dealership in Massachusetts, you have to get it registered before you can drive it home, like period. It's not just like an out-of-state thing. You cannot drive a car without actual license plates, which you get when you register the car. And there's no like due process or anything like that. When you register a vehicle in the state of Massachusetts, they give you the plates on the spot. This is no, wait for it six to eight days in the mail. It's like this, that's how it goes. And so I was really kind of frustrated because ultimately what that meant to me is I couldn't just go down, hop in the car and drive it back up. Because if I go down there, all they're going to have on there are the temporary plates. And so you might ask yourself, well, Jacques, what's going to happen? You know, like the temporary plates aren't recognized, but what's the big, you know, what's the big idea? I thought that too. But then while I was investigating some more, what I found out is that if you get pulled over with the temporary plates, 
they just impound your car. There's no, ooh, like, uh, don't do that, Jacques. You know, can't be driving out here. When I say they don't recognize temporary plates, that's literally, they don't recognize it. You essentially are driving without license plates, which is straight up illegal, right? Obviously, you have to have license plates on your car period. And even if you're driving between Massachusetts, like to go, say you buy, you live in Maine and you bought a car in Connecticut, they probably will still pull you over, be mad at you and let you go because, you know, obviously you're just, you have to drive through Massachusetts or I guess you wouldn't have to. There's other way you can go around Massachusetts. But I mean, ultimately because of this law, if I pass a police officer and I have the temporary plates, I'm getting pulled over. They, this isn't like, hmm, I wonder, you know. So ultimately, it was going to be a major risk in order for me to, you know, do so. And at this point, I hadn't even bought the car yet, right? What was going to happen was I was going to fly down there, sign all the paperwork, pay him the money, and then I'd buy a car. That's that's literally the normal process. But the problem here is I can't register it without buying it, but I can't go down and buy it because I need to register to drive it back up. So it was, oh my gosh, okay, we have to figure, let's figure this out, all right? So at this point, I'm frustrated, but, you know, my insurance said maybe I could figure this out and, you know, get all the stuff and do it by Friday. So I looked into what what I need to get my vehicle registered. I already knew I had to buy the car, but I figured, you know, we could probably take care of that. But what I didn't realize is when you have to go in and get it registered, you need three things. Well, technically you need four, but the fourth is just you know, your driver's license, which I have. I'm, I'm legally a citizen of the United States and Massachusetts. There's that, that wasn't like a, a big question, but you need three things. If you're buying a car from out of state, the first thing you need is the proof of insurance, but the proof of insurance is included in the application. Cause like I said, my insurance company is the one who filled out that application for me. And so that, that included the, the, proper information for insurance and the application in general. So the two other things I needed were the bill of sale, which I could have gotten easy, you know, right? I just had to buy the car, sign my name, etc. I could get that essentially just sent to me, printed out, we're all good. But the third thing I needed was the certificate of origin. And so that is something that Mazda, the company of Mazda, or who, you know, that for my case, the company Mazda prints, and it's just like the one of one document saying, this car was made. It is being, you know, this is who owns it. The toy, Mazda owns it. We are selling it to whoever is signing below. This is what the odometer reads. It's like the official, this car exists document. You cannot bring them a a copy of that. I needed to bring the exact CO, the certificate of origin. And so when I read that, I go, well, guess I'm not going down this weekend because the, even if they were going to overnight me these documents, the dealership, there's no way, but by this time was Thursday afternoon while I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. There's no way I get this in the mail in time on Friday and, you know, go to the DMV and get this taken care of. So I go, okay, it's not going to work for me to go fly out this weekend, but I'll end up going and flying out next weekend. That's fine. I can wait. A little frustrating because at this point I had already been two weeks without a car. And every time I wanted to go literally anywhere other than just the stores next to my house, I had to Uber, which started adding up money. Like an Uber into Boston's about 35 bucks, depending on the time of day and traffic and whatever. So over the weekends, what I was doing 
the the two weekends that or if you include this weekend when I went into the city to get on anyways I don't want to spoil the stories like that that weekend when I went into the city to hang out with friends I ubered in on Friday slept on its friend's couch Friday night hung out and did other stuff with other friends on Saturday and then slept on another couch Saturday night and then ubered back Sunday morning just so I wasn't ubering in ubering out ubering and ubering out if I knew I was going to be going out Friday and Saturday and so not only did I not like sleeping not on my bed, I also hated paying probably close to $100 in Uber every weekend. And at this point, I, I just wanted what was essentially my car at this point because I had the, the ability to go and get it. But because of the state of Massachusetts, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, actually, as it's referred to in all of these documents, this RMV, DMV, which, by the way, I don't know why Massachusetts feels so entitled that they can't just say DMV, or I don't even know what DMV stands for, quite frankly, like, I'm not even going to pretend to guess or whatever, but Massachusetts, just like they can't recognize temporary plates, they also need their own fancy DMV name. It's called the RMV, and maybe other states called the RMV too. I didn't investigate this, but it's the Registry of Motorized Vehicles. Like, I don't know why we got to be special. RMV, like whatever. So if I say RMV, it's the DMV. It's the same stinking thing. Okay. Sorry, I'm starting to get heated because we're we're as you can see, things are starting to turn in ways that I didn't really enjoy. But okay, that's fine. What we're gonna end up doing. The dealership is going to send me the appropriate paperwork, and they're going to send me even more paperwork than I needed because now I'm, once again, having to buy this car remotely. I can't just go and sign all the documents to buy the car and stuff. They have to send me the papers for me to sign saying, yep, I agree, yep, yep, if I like lose a limb, it's not their fault, I don't even know, whatever. I signed all the, I, I ended up signing all the paperwork, but they said, we're going to overnight you these documents, you'll get them on Monday, and you'll be able to go into the DMV with the appropriate stuff the dealership in virginia was a little confused because i i assume they've never <laughs> sold a vehicle to someone in massachusetts because it was news to them as well this whole you have to register your car type stuff because obviously they've sold vehicles to people from out of state blacksburg isn't that far away from charlotte north carolina which is where i was originally planning on flying into but we'll get there don't worry so i'm sure they've sold vehicles to people in other states and that's just normal they go through the process of registering the vehicle on their end sending the plates out yada 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 as i've already discussed but no massachusetts has to be difficult but that's okay you know what i'm, I'm rolling with the punches we're gonna figure it out i'll just it'll take me another week and that's fine right that's what you think it, it, I mean, okay, it did all end up being fine, but it didn't go so smoothly. So next thing I do is, okay, let's figure out when I'm going to end up going to the RMV. I can go in next Monday, right? Monday afternoon, it'll all work out. Well, I should have remembered from when I went to the RMV sometime last year to go and get my Massachusetts driver's license is they don't have walk-in appointments. You can't just show up. I, I understand the DMV. There's usually a couple-hour wait, whatever, and I was... I understand that's probably what it's going to be, but no, you can't walk in. You have to make an appointment if you actually want to do something like register a vehicle. You can, of course, show up and speak to a customer service rep, but there's no guarantee if you just walk in, you can get your car registered. You can get a new license. It's pretty much just if they happen to have space that day, maybe they'll fit you in, but it's very appointmented. And they started doing the appointments COVID time, and they just haven't 
gotten rid of doing everything by appointment. And so I go, okay, let's figure out when's the next available appointment to register a vehicle at the closest DMV to me, which by the way, was like an Uber drive away. It was, it's not close. It's actually in the city of Watertown, which is where my car was towed to. If you remember that little piece of the story from a couple weeks ago episode. Anyways, I digress about the city of Watertown. Watertown, Massachusetts. I, I sorry, Watertown's kind of funny to me because Watertown, Minnesota is where my like mom grew up. So I don't know. Just thinking of going into Watertown is reminds me of when I was a kid going into Watertown, Minnesota. Which, funny enough, if you remember some what episode? I think it was my near death experience story. I talked about falling down the stairs of my grandpa's house and banging my head on rocks, which was in Watertown. Anyways, small world. Not really. That's not a small world type thing. But I just thought I'd mention it because we're almost at an hour and I'm kind of going crazy right now. Anyways, this is going to be like an hour and a half episode, I already know, which is kind of funny, but kind of apt, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I need to shut up or or, let's keep jogging along in the story. So when's the next appointment I can get in? Oh, it's actually next Thursday, right? So this previous Thursday. That's fine. Okay, you know what? I can't go into fly and get my car anyways until the weekend because I have work, right? I work throughout the week. So I'll make this appointment for Thursday. But the appointment time is at one o'clock. Like there's no weekend slots for the DMV in Massachusetts. And I'm pretty sure like the DMV in Minnesota, the times I went in was on like Saturdays. And of course the line was long as heck because that's when everyone who works goes in. But you know, it's just, that's my Saturday plans is going to the DMV. But nope, I have to go in on Thursday and it's a 1 p.m. appointment time. So I just have to say L. And I had to, I had literally had to use some of my vacation time for this year in order to go to the stinking DMV. But that's fine. I'm going I'm just I was just trying to okay, we'll make it work and everything will be fine. That's okay. So I make the appointment, we're all good, slowly but surely, Monday rolls around. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna be expecting my the information in the mail from the dealership. Because at this point I'm still kind of on edge. I want my car, you know, I had to go through the process of buying the car, putting the down payment down. Kind of a hit to my bank account, but what are you gonna do? But so Monday rolls around and the dealership had like overnighted the stuff to me, but it wasn't coming till Monday because they did it late Thursday, you know, so all makes sense. On Monday, I get a notice from, or the the UPS says, your package will be delivered between noon and 7 p.m. Okay, that's fine. Like 6.50, I get a notification saying, sorry, your package was missed. Please take a look at your your, uh, address. And I take a look at the address and it's not wrong. And I'm like, uh, why did you miss my delivery? And so I look closer at my address, and actually what was missing was like apartment number, which is fine. Okay, I get it. They're not just going to leave it in the lobby of my building, though they easily could have. I don't know, whatever. And so I update my address, and then the UPS website just like glitches out. And it's I update my address, but the address isn't updated. And it says it'll come tomorrow. And then for a time, it even seemed like my package was just missing because the its location wasn't updating. And I just like started to freak out because if I don't get this certificate of origin, not only can I not go into the dealership on Thursday, but I can't go down and get my car, 
which by the way, I completely forgot that at this point I had already bought my plane tickets to go down because I had to go through the ordeal of figuring out what I was going to do and how I was going to get to this dealership because there's no, there's no airport in Blacksburg. I can't fly to Blacksburg, Virginia. And so I'd looked into flying into Charlotte in order to get to Blacksburg because Charlotte's the closest major airport and the flights, the one-way flights there were only about $80. But the more I considered things, the more I realized that was a bad option because Charlotte's about three hours away from Blacksburg, meaning I would have had to rent a car at Charlotte, drive it up those three hours to Blacksburg, return it, get to the dealership, whatever, and then do the 11-hour drive back to Massachusetts. And so I was like, oh, gross. That's going to turn my 11-hour drive into 13 hour or 14 hours. And I was going to have to pay for that car, to pay to rent that car, whatever. And I'm under 25, so it's going to cost even extra. And then have to figure out where to return it, what car to rent. It was just so much of a hassle that I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Because there is an airport much closer, only about a half hour away from Blacksburg, in Roanoke, Virginia. But the problem with flying into Roanoke is there's not really many places that have direct flights to Roanoke. Especially not a place like 1,500 miles away in Boston. Or not 1,500 miles away. It's not crazy like that. It's like 700 miles. I don't even know. And so the flight there is a required connection flight, and the price of the ticket was $400 flight. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized even if I only paid $80 to fly to Charlotte, the cost of renting that car and all that stuff was just going to add up to $400 anyways, considering my time spent and stuff like that too. So I said, you know what? Let's just bite the bullet, get the $400 connection flight. It's I flew Boston to Atlanta, then Atlanta to Roanoke. So I went even further south than I needed to, and then came back up. And I said, okay, we're going to book this flight, and we're going to get it for that Saturday. This yesterday is when I was going to do it, Saturday the 2nd of April. And so I knew that if I waited till Thursday to buy my plane ticket, it was going to be even more expensive, like $600 flight. And I said, nope, I've made up my mind this is what we're going to do. And I bought my plane ticket for Saturday. And so back to the story at hand, the UPS is just like, my package is just, I don't know where it is anymore, come Monday evening. And of course, I don't get this notification about my address being wrong or something till like 7 p.m. So by the time I updated it, I didn't even know if, if all this glitchy stuff on UPS's website was just their website being stupid. I didn't even know if that was quick enough to change it for me to get my package stuff on Tuesday. Because what I was also concerned about was the dealership forgetting to send me something, opening the letter and being like, oh, the bill of sale isn't here, or the bill of sale is missing your guys' signature. I need your, you know, your signature to walk in and get my registration. Because ultimately, if I didn't have the appropriate documentation, I can't go in on Thursday and get my license plates, and then I can't fly down, even though I already bought the flight. And so I was starting to freak out, because if UPS fumbled this delivery i mean it would have just screwed me for i mean what am i supposed to do then because then the certificate of origin is just gone and i'm gonna have to wait for mazda to make a new copy and all this stuff and i'm just gonna have to wait longer to get my car it's my car at this point right i've signed the bill you know fancy guy i just don't have possession of it so not only that i was also freaking out because 
Mass- the Commonwealth of Massachusetts requires by law that you register a vehicle within 10 days of purchasing it. So that Thursday, last Thursday, when my appointment was, was already eight days late or eight days after purchasing the vehicle. So not only would I have to wait longer, I would also be risking breaking some law by not registering the vehicle within 10 days. And so my anxiety levels were starting to rise here. I was worried. And right now, talking in the podcast, my anxiety levels are through the roof because I haven't edited this video yet. So it's de- we're not actually at the hour mark. But for my record time right now, I've passed an hour. And so once again, I'm talking very meta. But this is going to be my longest ep- episode to date. I already know because I still have a lot to cover. But that's okay. So... I'm not going to make this a two-parter, but if you need to take a break, this is this is Jacques' recommended break in the action time because what I'm about to tell you next, you're not going to want to miss. And by that, I mean things do get crazier. Don't worry. So, yeah, if you need a break, if you need a little sip of water, I actually personally need a sip of water. We're an hour in, and I've still got probably a half an hour left of story to tell. So let's do a water break together. I'm going to take a pause here. See, I say this, we're an hour in, we're probably only like 54 minutes in because I, I, I've i been taking brief little moments to drink water already, but for the sake of a joke, and I just can't tell one without getting all theoretic, not theoretical, uh, literal, I don't even, welcome to Jacques Talks after an hour where he goes crazy. Okay, anyways, let's take a drink, or <laughs> let's take a drink, everyone, no, let's take a break, I'm gonna... I'm going to be right back. Just hang on one moment, and I will be back. All right, peace. All right, I'm back. I'm juiced up with some water, and we're ready to continue. So, right, it comes Tuesday. I'm like, come on. This UPS package has got to get here. We've got to get everything together, and then we'll be good to go. So I wait, and I wait. And I'm just so hopeful. I even at this point, I'm starting to like call UPS's customer service center to see, you know, is my package still, ex- is it still there? I don't know. I'm like, I'm like genuinely kind of freaking out. And they're like, don't worry. It'll, you know, if it, if you updated the address, it should still be good. Just give us a call later, you know, tomorrow if nothing happens, whatever. Sometimes it might even take a day. It might get on Wednesday. And I didn't really like hearing that because say I get something on Wednesday and I'm missing something. Oh, yeah, I kind of mentioned this and didn't really go anywhere with it. But if 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 the dealership didn't send me something, I, I need to know this essentially by Tuesday because if I need them to overnight me something again, then I need them to overnight it to me by Tuesday so I can get it by, so I can have it in hand before one o'clock on Thursday to go into the the DMV with it. So luckily by Tuesday night, the UPS, I randomly got an email saying, your package has been delivered. I go down, I get it, and all the documents are there, and everything is great. And, well, I mean, we're we're all good. And so the one thing that kind of freaked me out was there was a signature missing on the certificate of origin that online it had said, I should, there should have been a signature from the seller on the back of certificate of origin. But the certificate of origin from Mazda didn't really have an appropriate place for a signature of seller on the back. And so I I kind of started to panic. I called the dealership back up. The pe- I, I've, at this point, I don't know if I really made it clear. The the couple of people helping me, helping me with buying the car, I was like pretty much in direct contact with them at this point, calling them when I needed to about different stuff. 
and we kind of agreed that you know since it's this certificate of origin is a little different the the rmv shouldn't have an issue with it but if it did we'll take the appropriate steps in order to get that signature like a, a verified signature on there in order for me to get it registered in time you know uh, you know we kind of discussed potentially having me sign it for him or something like that just because you know we didn't want to have to delay this process any further but we, we essentially n knew that me bringing the documents into the rmv as they were um the, i mean the dealership sent me everything appropriately that was supposed to be done with me purchasing purchasing this car it did you know it made no sense why online the rmv made it seem so complicated about this little ticky tacky different things that i needed to be bringing in because the other thing that i didn't even need or i forgot to mention that was so ticky tacky by the state of massachusetts is they require you when you register the vehicle it, you know going into the dmv and giving them the paperwork is they require on the spot not only for you to pay for the, the fee for registration and titling the car which makes sense of course that's what i'm doing i should have to pay for it there they make you pay the sales tax for the vehicle on the spot right there why it's I, like i, I guess i kind of get why especially for me because i'm buying it out of state however I'm not buying it some from weirdo dealer. You know, I'm not buying it from old man Bob's backyard where, of course, in that instance, it would make sense that I didn't pay the sales tax. I'm not paying Bob's sales tax and making him go to the state with it. So I understand in some instances where if you go in and say, I'd like to switch the title of this vehicle to me because I bought it from you know, my neighbor, then yes, Mass the state of Massachusetts, I think would be appropriate there to say, okay, here's your bill for sales tax. However, I'm walking into the DMV with a record of my, my bill of sale. That's one of the required documents. On that required document, it says, here is the sales tax that Jacques has already paid us because we follow the laws and we know that there's sales tax on the per the sale of the the sale of this vehicle the the dealership is required to get that in included in their bill and so the thing is when i bought the car from them i had to include it on my whole financing everything when i applied for finance the sales tax is included in that i called them up and said hey the state of massachusetts massachusetts is going to require me to pay them sales tax can we take it off that and then you know i'll take care of the sales tax over here and you guys you, you, you know do whatever you need to do and they said we can't do that because in order for us to make this sale like legal we have to include the sales tax in it and we have to charge you that that's going to be included in your bill in the bill of sale which i'm bringing to the dmv right okay we're on the same page here it's just stupid why do i have to pay the sales tax for a brand new you know okay that's just my thoughts so anyways, I tell that to the dealership though, and I say, so what are we going to do? Because there's no way you're going to make me pay sales tax twice, right? That's absurd, especially because this is sales tax on a brand new $26,000 car. The sales tax is $2,000. I don't want to go down another $2,000 in addition to the $4,000 down payment I've already made, right? And so... They say, yeah, we agree, we understand. What we're going to do is we're going to send you a check for the sales tax, for the registration and title fee, because that was also 
included in the bill. And I go, amazing. So they send that to me on Tuesday, and I get it in the mail on Wednesday. And that's great. So I've got every document I need in hand. I print out, you know, everything, my proof of insurance, just in case they need to see that. I print out the application that the insurance company filled out. And then I take a closer look, and I realize that there is a couple things not filled in on the application that the insurance company filled out for me. And I go, oh my gosh, why is why does it seem like everything is missing something? And I'm the only person who cares that everything is filled out properly because I can't risk getting rejected on Thursday for my application. And maybe am I just being the most and worrying for nothing? Yeah, maybe. But I, I just, I couldn't afford something going wrong. So I call my insurance company back up. And I actually did this a couple times over the course of that week because I would notice something weird with my insurance. Or not weird, but something I was worried would cause a red flag for someone, you know, looking at my application or something like, oh, your my license, uh, the number for my license wasn't filled out. Or the this section on the seller's information or the section on what the odometer was reading wasn't filled out on the application properly. And I called them and I said, hey, am I, I essentially was like, am I going to get turned down for registering my car because you, you this part is not filled out on, in the application? Because the stipulation with the application is the application has to be filled out by the insurance, my insurance company and stamped by them saying, yes, we approve of everything on this form. So if I come in and there's like stuff written over it, you know, extra stuff filled in, I will get rejected because that means that it wasn't officially approved by my insurance company. And so I call them and I say, hey, there's these couple of things not filled in. Am I going to get rejected? Because I simply cannot afford to be rejected on Thursday because of the reason I've already described to you guys. And they go, you know what? I understand why you're concerned, Jock, but don't worry. That stuff is stuff that they'll get from the other forms of documentation because you're buying this car from out of state. And if they, have, for some reason, have issues with it, all you have to do is in the DMV, call us. We'll be able to correct it. We'll email you something, and you'll be able to print it out there, and it'll all be taken care of. Now, I was still a little concerned and just anxious about it all, but uh, I trusted the process, and I said, okay, you know what? That's okay. We might have the signature missing. We might have this, this, and this, but I'm just looking too deep into it, and I just kind of, I just have to just hope that everything goes according to plan. And you can ask my mom. I called her like screaming, like upset. Like I was, I was just so stressed out about this because I was. I've already made a down payment on my car. I've already, which actually I hadn't completely made the down payment on down payment on my car because the dealership could only do so much on my debit card that's like their policy or whatever I'm it's probably standard across dealerships I just don't really know so they needed me either by cash or check to pay the other two thousand dollars for my down payment that they couldn't take by card and so every every day over the course of four days I had to walk to the mall near my house to use the ATM to take out five hundred dollars at a time in order to get up to that $2,000 because I don't have checks because long story short, I don't want to go into all the nitty details. I don't have any checks on me, so I had to do this by cash. But the max withdrawal amount from my card 
per day is $500. So four days in a row, if someone was paying really close attention to the security cameras, I probably looked really sketchy because four days in a row, like on the dot, 5.30 after work, I walked to the mall, went to the ATM, took out $500 and left just every single day. So I probably looked sketchy as hell. I don't really know. But I was just trying to get that $2,000. And well, anyways, I ended up doing that. So I slowly, you know, that money was gone from my bank. I had... Um, rent was due on Friday, which was, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Like my bank account is just getting pushed down, down, down on top of me having to pay for Ubers to get to everything. And, you know, when I say could afford this car, there, there was no problems. I did have the money in my bank for, uh, for all this stuff, but it's still, I mean, it's stressful, like paying a lot of money for stuff that I'm not even getting. I still don't even have this car. Right. And, that stress was pushed even higher when I finally got to the DMV. So here we are. Thursday's arrived. Thursday morning, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like, you know what? I'm either going to get, everything's going to go smoothly or, you know, there might be a bad case where they decide to reject me for some reason, but we're going to get it figured out and everything's going to be okay. So I go to the dealership. You know, what's fun, what's funny to me right now is I'm saying this all kind of calmly. If you were lucky enough, I don't want to say, if you were unlucky enough to talk to me within last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or so, you'll know how stressed I was. And I, I don't really normally get stressed about stuff and let stuff freak me out and make me really like on edge. But this really just, it did. And I don't know, I just, anyways, let's let's get back to the DMV. So we're in the DMV. I go in and what I forgot is, I think this is pretty normal for like a bunch of DMVs, I think I remember this being a thing in Minnesota too, is from noon to one. That's just lunchtime, baby. You know, everyone in the DMV is on lunch break. So I show up and there's just already bunches of people waiting to get in for either their one o'clock appointment like myself, or there was a giant line of people who didn't have appointments who wanted to see if they could, you know, get in anyways. And so I'm standing there waiting, just nervous, like, oh, God, I thought I had an appointment. I didn't know I still had to wait behind a bunch of people. But, you know, it is what it is. Finally, 1 o'clock rolls around. They let us in. And you know the thing that frustrated me a lot is I was probably, you know, when I did get in the line for people with appointments, I was probably 10th in line, 8th in line, something like that around there. Like, everyone but one person in front of me hadn't shown up with their appropriate application already filled out which baffles me because obviously I think almost all the people in front of me were just renewing their license or paying some bill or you know something having to do with just their license like no one was registering a vehicle like me in front of me however everyone in front of me had an appointment you know where you make that appointment online you know what else how you get to the button to make an appointment is you have to read the page that is like, oh, you want to do this, do this, 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 and then make an appointment. Why did no one do the this, this, and this? How do you how do you know or figure out that you need to make an appointment, but not also read the section that says, here's the application to fill out ahead of time. Obviously, you don't have to. They have the applications there for you to fill out. But I was frustrated because I had to sit there waiting and waiting and waiting for these people to sit up at the counter with the lady filling out their information when they could have just showed up with it already done. I, I just don't get how you skip that step before you register. And maybe 
you guys or the list the listener to the show gives them more of a benefit of the doubt but if you've been to massachusetts dmv website it's it's just so crystal clear that they outline everything to like the my most minute details in my opinion for no reason because like i just got into it was like oh you need this signature in the xyz and then oh, i'll cut to the chase here i finally got up i went there the lady didn't even flip over my certificate of origin to check if that signature was there. So clearly it, it didn't matter if it was there or not, which is what um, what the dealership that the dealership I bought my car from suspected. But why would you include that on the website if it's just not even needed? I don't know. And so I, I was stressing out over that this past week for nothing. But it's just because their website is like t too crystal clear. But apparently not for the 10 people in front of me in line who just decided to not show up with the application done, which would have saved them and me time. Anyways, I digress. That's me being, I don't want to say selfish, but, you know, whatever. I got up there, and yeah, let me, I mean, I already kind of spoiled it. I got up, she looked over the paperwork, yada, 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 and she goes, okay, cool. And then, like I explained earlier, she just whips out license plates. It's kind of funny. You know, you go in with the application, they will just hand you the license plates on the spot. To me, getting license plates has always been some, I don't want to say mysterious process, but, you know, you have to check all these boxes, you know, follow the, follow, file the paperwork, and eventually they'll mail them to you, take six to two to three weeks or something like that. Like, I go in with the registration, they make sure everything looks pretty okay, they make their copies of it, and they just hand you license plates. I don't know, just funny to me. But anyways, she gets license plate out, everything's good, and she goes, okay, here's what you owe us, 1800 and some bucks. Okay, okay, cool. Let me pull out the check that the dealership sent me for this. Ooh, bad news. The check the dealership sent me was for 1900 something dollars. Uh, their calculations were a little too high for the state of Massachusetts, right? So I go to the lady at the DMV. I say, hey, I explain the situation. The dealership, you know, I had to pay them sales tax already, so they caught me this check for you guys. It's a little more money than you say I owe you. Can I pay you with this check, and then you give me the money the difference in return and she goes no it has to be exact change <sighs> and so this my friends is what i was explaining earlier as an even further stressor to my bank account because i just straight up my only option right there was to just pay that eighteen hundred dollar charge out of pocket because i can't just call my dealership hey can you just quick send me a new check for this amount instead so that was an unexpected charge that I suddenly had to pay. Well, it was kind, I don't want to say it was expected, but I kind of knew something like that might happen, and it did. So, yeah, I had to take care of that, and the good news is, ultimately, I got the plates. I got the plates in hand. I had everything I needed because my car was registered. I had insurance. My plane ticket was bought to get out there, and everything was fantastic. And so I got in the my Uber back to my apartment. I went back and, um, yeah, I was just happy. I told my friends. And at this point, what I haven't told you was I actually made plans for one of my friends to fly out with me and do this drive back to Massachusetts with me. Because I've been on long drives before, but I think anyone who's ever been on a really long drive by themselves, you'll agree that it's somewhat unpleasant if it's if it's just a long a to b destination drive i have a friend who drives trucks you know for a living uh 
And I'm sure that's probably a different experience because, you know, you take breaks, you you get out the car, deliver your cargo or whatever, and you have a set amount of hours you can drive per day, and you get paid to do it. So, I mean, I think it's it's a little different. I think maybe I'd have to ask him how he feels. I think it also depends person to person. But just for a general like road trip type scenario, if you've ever done a drive by yourself, which I have, I used to drive to and from Notre Dame by myself, you know, pretty much every other month, month and a half. And a lot of the drives I would do by myself. And it was just always something I kind of had to suck up and do. But those were eight hour, nine hour drives. This was about to be a 11 hour drive by myself a lot of it on roads I didn't really know. You know, it wasn't the same drive I've done a bunch, so it's kind of chill. It was a drive in a brand new car I've never driven in before through a part of the country I've never driven through before. I, it wasn't so much that I was scared. It was just I would have preferred someone to come with me. So it came time, and this was about a week before. I I kind of didn't include this in the rest of the, the storytelling because I didn't want to jump all over the place. But I had asked my friend Camille to fly down with me in order to drive back up. So as a part of me buying the plane tickets, I also was considering this in the decision-making process. So I had explained earlier I was considering flying to Charlotte and then doing the the drive up and then figuring all that out. And ultimately, that just didn't really seem like a good plan to me because I didn't want to pay for two flights to Charlotte and then do the rental car and then all that stuff because I realized that flying two people down to Charlotte and doing the rental car was going to be the same as flying myself to Roanoke and then driving up. I don't even remember all the specific details, but I was like, I need to think of something else that'll work because I knew I couldn't fly me and her to Roanoke because like I said, those plane tickets were 400 bucks and I wasn't going to make someone who's just going to sit in a car with me for 11 hours pay for their own plane ticket. Pretty much I, I knew asking her was just a huge favor, which is what it was. And then ultimately, if, if she had decided she didn't want to do it with me, I was going to ask someone else or something. I, I pretty much was just, let's see if I can get someone to go with me. The reason I asked her is, I don't know, I, she's the kind of person I knew who w- would say yes to something like this. And she did. I, it ended up kind of just working out. But I knew I, I had to think of something outside of the box to, 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 to save money, really, and make it reasonable for her and for me and everything involved. So I put my thinking cap on and I had this great idea that I would have, I would buy her a flight from Boston to DC, which is about three hours away from Virginia, or it was like three and a half, four, whatever. That got, so no, I don't want to spoil, I can't spoil anything. I can't, I got to keep you on the edge of your seat, listener. Um, I could have her fly to D.C., and the drive from D.C. back up to Massachusetts is only about eight hours. So not only would she only have to do eight hours of driving with me, she also wouldn't have to go with me to the dealership. She wouldn't have to wake up as early in the morning. She could take uh, an afternoon flight into D.C., and by that time I'd be close to D.C. being able to pick her up and stuff. And the flight from Boston to D.C. was only about $50. So it saves money, saves time for her, whoever would fly with me. And just in general, I was like, wow, that all kind of works out. And that's great. So I had bought her that flight for Saturday. Once again, it was only like 50 bucks. So it was really just kind of a, a quick little thing. And we were all set. 
And where was I even going with this? I'm kind of all over the place. So no, that was just something that I needed to establish because on Friday night, so everything was great. I got my titles or my titles. No, I got my, my plates because I, I titled the car, registered the car, whatever. Everything is good. Everything is great. And this is Thursday night, right? And I get a text from Camille saying, hey, I just thought I would let you know my roommate tested positive for COVID and I kind of feel a little sick and I'm worried I might also have COVID. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're kind of dumb because I mean, she definitely could not fly down to Massachusetts or to DC and do this drive with me. And for all the things that had stressed me out over the course of this week, all the little twists and turns of, oh my gosh, now I can't go down and get the car, temporary plates, oh, the UPS, oh, all the stupid little stuff, oh, the signature, oh, my insurance company. Like, I finally had gotten to the point where I got the plates, I'm ready to go, one day away, I get to fly down. My flight was on five four, at 5.45 Saturday morning down to Atlanta for the connection. So pretty much Thursday night, I was like, just got to get through Friday. You know, I was going to hang out with some friends Friday night because what I what I have been doing every time I have a flight early in the morning is because I live so far away, what I do is I go and get into my friend's apartment or I get into my friend's apartment. I don't, I'm, <laughs> I've been talking for too long. I'm stumbling over my words, but I stay overnight at my friend's apartment who lives really close to the airport, only about 10, 15 minute drive. And I wake up in the morning and call an Uber from their apartment just so I don't, I don't want to park. I never like parking at the airport in Boston because the airport in Boston is like in this really weird place, essentially on the ocean. I don't think it's like on an Island, but it's the parking is just really expensive because there's not a lot of it. So I don't like doing that. So I stay in my friend's apartment and then get an Uber to the airport because normally I can actually take the train in to get to the airport. But if it's early, so early in the morning, the trains aren't running. So I can't do that. So when I have an early flight, say 545 in the morning, I do that. So I knew Friday night, I was gonna be able to hang out with my friends uh, at their apartment and then go to bed, wake up and go get on this flight. But there's so Thursday night, I get it. Camille tells me, I think I might have COVID. I took an at home test, it came back negative. But obviously, those are a little sus. So I'm going to do a real like PCR test in the morning on Friday. But if I end up having COVID, I'm not going to be able to come with you anymore. And so at this point, I kind of lost it again, because <laughs> not only had I finally gotten through what I believed was the muck and gotten my plates, I'm see, I'm like a broken record now. But I, I was just so finally happy everything had finally fallen into place. And now I was going to have to do the full 11 to 12 hour drive by myself. <laughs> and I just I was so upset because, you know, if she, if this had happened earlier in the week, say, I could have asked another friend to do the same thing with me. But I, I just knew even if there was a chance one of my friends weren't already busy on Saturday to do this with me. They, I mean, hey, uh, so, you know, uh, tomorrow, do you want to come get on a flight and do a seven hour drive with me? Even if I could convince someone to do that with me. Right. The flight wasn't going to be $50 anymore. I looked it up. It was going to be like a $250 flight now because it's I'm buying the flight the day before especially a one-way you know one ways are are cheaper than a round trip but if you're only buying one leg day before, it was just you know it's not an ideal situation and so I just knew it was super unrealistic just at at that point not not only that was I, I was probably also going to be down the 50 bucks that we had spent to get the flight in the first place for Camille so I was just 
essentially just hoping and praying that for some reason she was COVID negative because I, I, I mean, I didn't want to do the drive by myself. It's plain and simple. So the next day rolled around. I was just hoping, 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 and luckily, and I, I personally credit, take some credit, and I wore my lucky sweatshirt, which I will never tell anyone which sweatshirt is my lucky sweatshirt because then people will be like, oh, why'd you wear your lucky sweatshirt? You know, whatever. I, I've, I've had this thought before. I have a lucky sweatshirt. I don't, no one knows which one it is because I, I don't even think I've ever brought this up, but I wore my lucky sweatshirt on Friday. I actually wore my lucky sweatshirt on Thursday too because I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't, I wanted the RMV to go well. And it did. And lucky enough, once again, I take credit. Her COVID test came back negative. So she felt a, like a little sick, but I mean, really, that could be anything. And it's true. And she took a real PCR test, which she told I mean, we, we had this conversation that she really, you know, went aggressive with the thing up her nose. She didn't like do a little petty, like, mm, I'm getting my test done. You know, she, I mean, we went through the proper avenues to see if she had COVID and or I mean, I didn't do any of that. She did, but um, it came back negative. So, okay, we were all set for Saturday. She was still going to come down with me, and I was able to, sigh of relief, have someone go on the trip with me. Which, by the way, I'll say it a million times. I know Camille's inevitably going to listen to this. I am so, so grateful that she flew out and did that with me because I would have gone absolutely crazy doing this drive by myself, ultimately. And, I mean, I'm just... I, I'm just very grateful, and so sincere thank you to Camille for essentially just literally going on a flight and then sitting sitting in a car for what ended up being probably a, a 10, like nine-hour journey between when I picked her up in D.C. to getting back in Boston. But anyway, so yeah, well, I guess I kind of spoiled something there. We, we know that I did end up getting to the car. Sorry, I... I the reason I keep trying to not spoil things is because of what's about to happen, which was probably the worst event, which I, I kind of downplayed to like the dealership when I got there. But the worst thing in this whole process, the worst thing that happened to me was on Saturday. Now, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I actually forgot. Friday night, I, w I went to my friend's apartment. We actually ended up drinking a little and going out. My friends kept wanting to go out different places, and so... <laughs> I just kind of, I was happy. I mean, I was finally getting my car and I just didn't really <laughs> say no. So we ended up going to a couple different bars and just like hanging out, um, listening to music, you know, getting a drink or two. And so by the time we get back to my friend's apartment to go to bed, <laughs> it was already like two in the morning. And ultimately, I mean, mistakes were made because my flight was at 545, meaning I had to get to the airport at about four in the morning meaning I only got about an hour and a half of sleep, which is not really ideal for someone who's about to do, you know, a 10, 11, 12-hour drive. But you know what? I've had worse things happen to me, and I, it, you know what I'm saying? I just, I wanted to have a good night. It was a good night. I was happy, celebrating, and it was all good. So all that to say, I woke up very tired, got to the airport, went through security, everything was fine. Actually, I got stopped in security for the first time in a couple years, I think. But it's because I actually brought my microphone because I was thinking maybe we do I do a little recording episode in the car ride, but me and Camille ended up deciding it was I don't want to say pointless, but 
we, we kind of had a conversation about it. It's like, what are we going to talk about that isn't just better to talk about in reflection of the drive? So we ended up not recording anything, but stay stay tuned for a Camille episode inevitably where she will be able to explain to you in detail how annoying of a driver I am. Not because I drive bad, but because I sing a lot and I really don't have the best singing voice. So I'm sure she has a lot to say in that regard. And I don't know, maybe she'll have some, um, maybe there's some things I don't know about myself as a driver that no one is willing to say but her. So we'll find out. But anyways, so where was I even going? No, I get to the airport. They stopped me because of the microphone because apparently it's an electronic bigger than your cell phone, which is true. But I, I guess I didn't really think of it as that because it's not like a thing I power on. It's not like an iPad. Well, I guess I do power it on, but it's not, there's no touchscreen. There's no anything. But anyways, all that to say, if you ever go into the airport and have a microphone in your bag, you should take it out. Lesson learned. So there's that. Get into the the terminal, whatever I'm chilling waiting for my zone to be called, I eventually get on the plane, and as I mentioned, I was very tired, right, it's 5.45 in the morning, about, that's when my plane was set to fly away, so I'm probably sitting in my seat 5.30 in the morning, waiting to taxi and take off, and I was exhausted, and I just really wanted some more sleep, and that was kind of the plan all along, is between my three-hour flight to Atlanta, and like 90-minute flight from Atlanta to Roanoke, I was going to get some more sleep, and I was going to get less than but around five more hours of sleep on these flights. And I sleep well on planes. So I hit my seat, waited to take off, and I pass out. Cool. That's great. So the thing that happened is, you know, it wasn't a deep slumber. I probably wake up about half an hour, 40 minutes later. So it's probably around 6 o'clock at this point. I wake up. We haven't taken off yet. We're still on the ground. Hmm, this is peculiar, right? We were supposed to take off by 5.45. It's now 6, 6.10, 6.15. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what my phone said the time was. But I did think to myself, hmm, we're delayed a little. That's interesting. Then I went back to bed, right? I'm tired. I'm tired, whatever. I go back to bed. At some point, we do take off. While we're midair, I do kind of fully stir awake at this point, you know, after a good little thick nap. So... We're probably about an hour away from landing, an hour, 15 minutes, an hour and a half. I I don't even know why I'm going into such minute detail about that, but we're past an hour at this point. I can confidently say we're past an hour at this point in the story, and I'm a little loopy, and what am I even saying, dude? Okay, get to the point, Jacques, right? And I, I fully stir awake, and I start thinking, wait a minute, my layover in Atlanta, it's only like a 50 minute layover. How long were we delayed for taking off? Because I was asleep. I didn't even hear what they said the delay was for, anything like that. And so I opened like my Delta app on my phone and I realized, yeah, that delay was like more than the layover. It was like a 50-minute delay. And I go, oh, no. That is not Gucci. That is not cool. And I realized that while I was sleeping... Delta, you know, did their little number crunching, whatever, and they assigned me to a new flight, and this flight was at 4 p.m. to Roanoke on Saturday, and for a number of reasons, this was not, this is not going to fly as I fly through the air, right, because not only did that mean I would not be in Virginia until about 6 p.m., 5.30 abouts, 
it also meant that I would not be able to pick Camille up. Best case scenario, okay, let's not even, best case scenario, the dealership makes some deal to stay open late to get me the car because on Saturdays, they're only open till five. So how am I going to get to the dealership to get my car on Saturday in order to drive up to get Camille? And so say even that works out for me, which it probably wouldn't have. Now Camille's flight where she was landing in D.C. around 4, 4.30, I wasn't even going to be able to get her until like 11 p.m. Not to mention, then we would have had a 7 to 8 hour drive from there back up to Boston. So I was just going to have to drive overnight, like real overnight which would have been such a bigger hassle for her, bigger hassle for me, just all, all around no, very, very, very bad. No good, very bad day. What inevitably would have had to happen was Camille would have had to cancel her flight. I would have had to get a hotel for two days until the dealership opened again on Monday, and I would have had to take off work. And all of this because there was some stupid delay for our flight taking off. And so I started to freak out on the plane. I'm not like a active freaker out or I wasn't like like going scary but I was like oh my gosh once again just when everything seems like it's going to plan it finally finally has worked out no nope it looks like I'm going to miss my flight uh, my connection but I got to thinking and I said Jacques settle down settle down now let's think about this let's let's think it through and I looked at the time we were going to land, and I looked at when my, my next flight was going to be done boarding. And there was a 15-minute window from when I was getting when I was going to be getting off my plane to when the next plane's gate would be or doors would be closing. It was 15 minutes. I looked at where I was landing. I was landing in gate A3 in Atlanta. My next flight to Roanoke was taking off from D. 36 or something like that 35 i think now i don't know if any of you have been to the atlanta airport but their terminals are all connected but they're they're all long lines you can essentially think about it as a giant h with a bunch of vertical lines so it's just a really extended h with a bunch of lines going through it and so the middle line is what's connecting all of the terminals a is the one, the stick furthest on the left, and it goes A, B, C, D. And so A3 is at the very bottom of the furthest left stick, and D36 is at the top of one of the middle ones. There's like F terminals, I think. And there's, in that middle stick, the one that runs through them all, there's a train. It's the plane train. It connects all of them. And so I knew once I got off, I was going to have to run up A, up the A stick till I got to the middle, run through to D or take the train, depending on, you know, whatever was going to work for me, go down the terminals and then go up the stick to D36. And I had 15 minutes to do that. And that I knew was going to be a tall task because the normal walk time between the terminals, I think is something like seven to 10 minutes. So, I mean, it, the, the if I had walked this dry, it probably was over a half hour walk. And I had 15 minutes to do that. And so the second the plane landed, the seatbelt I came off, I like got up, I was sitting in aisle seat. I got up, I got up and I started like low key to just like 
push my way through the airplane because I needed to go. And I'm not, I'm normally not the person who's impatient, you know, like screws other people, pushes other people out of the way. But in this instance, I was like, I need to make this flight. And I got, <laughs> I got humbled hard on this plane. Some other dude, middle of the plane, because I was on like the back of the plane. And I, this, that's what I'm trying to say is I knew I didn't have like the 10 minutes to sit and wait for granny to get up and get her bag in every row to get through. Because when the seatbelt light came off, I was, you know, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but people were going so slow and not even getting in the aisle. I was like, fine, like, I will just go then. And someone stood up and like, like, essentially like put his hand on my chest and like, stop me. And he literally was like, hey, dude, like everyone on here has got connecting flights. Chill out. And I don't know. I just felt like a complete asshole when he did that. But I just, I was like, okay, fine. And so I waited, I waited the like couple minutes it took for everyone to get out. And I finally got out. And so, yeah, that's like, I had 50 minutes from when I got to that. And I started to kind of speed walk because I think I didn't really fully take into consideration that what I just said, it was probably normally like a 30 minute or so walk. And I, I was like speed walking, like slightly jogging through terminal A. And by the time I get down to, or get into the middle and get down into the train area, I realized I, I'd like gotten a notification saying, hey, uh, your section is boarding. You only have, or it's like just a reminder, we finished boarding 15 minutes before uh, um, departure time. And so I like calculated it and I was like, oh, I have seven minutes now to get from A to D and then to get from D to my gate. And I'm just like, oh, mm, I don't have the time. And so the, the train wasn't there at A when I got there. And I said, I can't just sit here and wait. And I, I didn't really know how far apart the terminals were. So I just started running. <laughs> and so I ran between A and B and that took me like, two minutes or no it took me I don't think I, this that seven minute timer I had didn't start till I got to B I remember now but I sprinted from A to B I got to B and realized that I only had seven minutes and the sprint from A to B only, it took me like five minutes or like the run I wasn't sprinting at that point quite yet but I ran from A to B and at that point I only had the seven minutes and I said I okay I'm gonna have to get on this train because there's like a timer that says the next train there's like next train in one minute i said there's no way in this seven minutes i sprint from b to d and then up d so i said i just have to cross my fingers that this train doesn't get screwed or something and i can take the train so i get on the train i i take the two terminals i get off at d and i have four minutes and so i run up the escalator and i get to the top of d and i have to run from like d is one to D30. And when I, I mean, I'm, I'm very out of shape. I'm in, I'm no way a runner. This is maybe even the fastest I've run in years. I, I shouldn't say that. I probably ran pretty fast at some random crap I did in college. But I mean, when I say I sprinted to the gate, I sprinted because once again, I could not miss this flight. And I, I was just a menace in this airport. I mean, I, I've, I've seen other people run in the airport, but I was, I was running, sprinting, and I made it to the gate, and I was like panting and like, like whatever. I was so, oh my gosh. And he goes, "What's your name?" I go, "Jacques Charbonneau." 
And he goes, okay, scan your ticket. I scan my ticket. I He's like, okay. And I went in, literally they closed the door behind me. Like I was that close. Had I not sprinted, I wouldn't have made it. Like I just, I so, so incredibly lucky. But I did it. I made it and... I got on the flight. I sat down next to the lady, and she was like, "She's like, oh, do you have to run?" I like explained it to her. She like thought it was funny. This old old lady was sitting next to me, and and we talked for a little bit. Um, but I was like so out of breath. And when they like brought us water for like the in-flight beverages, I, I was like much needed. And so, anyways, the the rest of the story is pretty. Um, I mean, pretty straightforward. It was the, I, I finally made it. So I landed in Roanoke, and someone from the dealership actually picked me up. They drove me. I got to my car, filled out the remaining paperwork, gave them that cash for the down payment that I had taken out, and they ended up giving me a check to refund me for that sales tax. So essentially, I got in my car, got to figure out all the cool features. One thing my dad made sure I knew before I left the lot was to figure out how to open the gas tank because, uh, you know, some cars are a little funny with that. But yeah, so 2022 Mazda CX-5 is... Uh, was finally mine and there's a really a really cool features with new cars so there's like uh like blind spot detection so my car will like detect if there's a car next to me or slightly behind me you know the the normal blind spot on both sides and so a little light indicator will come on if there's a car there on my review mirrors and if i put my blinkers on or my turn signal on and there is a car there, my car will beep at me, like letting me know, hey, don't turn, you're going to hit someone, you know, so that's a cool thing, the, the cruise control is, I don't know what it's, I don't know the word they use, I don't, it's not like automated or enhanced, but that, essentially what it does is, if you turn cruise control on, and set it to a speed, if the, you come upon a car while you're driving at that speed in front of you, who's going slower than that, my car will slow down to match the speed of that car and keep a certain gap distance between me and that car. So if the car slows down even further, so will my car. So it's pretty much like I don't have to sit there and tap on the brakes a bunch to end cruise control to like manage getting around a car or something. It like fully adapts. It's like adaptive cruise control actually, I think is what it's called. So there's that. And the the Bluetooth on this car is so much better than my previous car. And I don't know, there's a lot of little stuff that I haven't figured out. The, the, I have a front and back windshield wipers, and they're automatic. So it like will detect if it's raining, which is kind of weird, but also kind of cool. The headlights are, like the brights are also automatic. So if it detects that they're like not needed, I don't know if it, I'd have to like, I still have to read the manual, but I think it's, if it maybe detects it, the light bouncing off of something. There's probably some sort of sensor. It'll like auto unbright them. So that's something that I thought was weird, but probably is also cool once I actually figure out how it works. And yeah, there's just, a, I mean, it's a really cool car, but yeah. So I ended up driving to DC. There was a couple car accidents on the way, which were, I like feel some type of way when I see car accidents now. It's like sad because now I've been through one, and it just sucks, I definitely have a different perspective, um, but I was, so all that to say, I essentially was a little late to picking up Camille, because I kind of timed everything perfectly, that I'd be picking her up from the airport, essentially, when she'd be getting there, so it ended up taking, she probably ended up waiting for me, like, half an hour in the airport, um, but I picked her up, we ended up getting some snacks, and hit the road, and it was a long drive, and 
ended up going. We, we didn't get back until like 3 in the morning, ultimately. We had stopped for dinner at some point. We got some Taco Bell. Which funny little anecdote, actually. <laughs> we ordered from a kiosk, and so I had to put my name in. And um, usually when I like order from places, I don't use my real name because of... Um, like how it's always mispronounced. And I don't know, I just had some feeling about this Taco Bell that it was going to be mispronounced in a funny way. So I decided to show Camille um, what happens when you put Jacques down as the name of your order. And uh, <laughs> they ended up, uh, yeah, they, they pronounced it like uh, Jacquees or something like that. It, it was something like that. It maybe have been Jacques, I don't even remember. I think it was Jacquees, I think is how they pronounced it. And so she, she got a good kick out of that. And it was funny, but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, the drive was really fun. A lot of, uh, a lot of singing, a lot of, we, I think maybe even the, the highlight of the music played was we played the high school musical three soundtrack. And I think she was surprised that I knew all the songs to that movie, which, you know, is fair. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a 23 year old dude. I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess that movie came out when I was younger, you know, I, I can't really use that as an excuse, but, um, but yeah, it was just all around a really good, uh, really good drive and not, nothing really notable about the drive. It was just a long drive there. I think one of the funny thing was when the drive through Pennsylvania was the longest part of the drive. There's a lot of really weird named cities in Pennsylvania. I found out, and I don't even remember, I don't even remember half of them, but um, I think that was like literally like every 20 minutes we'd come up on a new city and just die laughing from how stupid the city name was. So if you ever have to drive on 81 or eight, when does 84 start? Was that in Pennsylvania? I think that was later. I think that was like in New York. If you were ever driving on 81 through Pennsylvania, just be prepared for some absolutely absurd city and county names. But yeah, eventually we got back. It was like three in the morning. I dropped her off at her place. She lives in like in Boston or Brookline or whatever. And then I drove home and I got home and I passed out and I, I slept until 5 p.m. today. So it's I'm recording right now at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, um, but I've, I've only been awake for five hours. I was just so exhausted. Once again, I really only got, well, I got zero hours of sleep in a bed. I crashed for an hour and a half on a couch and then I slept on a flight for a couple hours with a uh, uh, an Olympic sprint in between my two naps on the flight. So I really did an 11 hour drive with next to no sleep, but we made it work. We're out here. I'm young. I'm vibing. And, uh, yeah, that's well, I'm just happy. I made it home safe. I finally have a car, all the stressors, all the little side sub drama points, all of that. I went, I made it through it. We, we got my car and I think the, mo the, the most special moment of the entire day yesterday was when I was driving Camille back to her place. I realized when we got close, I was going to have to drive through the same intersection that the accident happened in. Because if you recall, that accident happened because I was driving all my friends home one night and Camille was who we dropped off first. And then I was on the way to the next person's apartment when we got in that accident. But when I realized we were going to have to go through that intersection, I realized that we were driving through it in the opposite way. We were going from west to east instead of east to west. So at first I kind of was like, uh-oh, but then I was like, wait, we're reversing 
the like curse or I don't know if it's a curse. There's no curse, but I was undoing what was done. And then Camille brought up that it's even funnier because all the people who were in the accident or of our friend group, everyone was in the car but her. But now she is the only one who was in the car. So even more so, everything was undone and the curse was reversed. And so, you know, I held my breath as we went through the intersection, but we made it. There was no run light, red light runners that night. And um, I don't know, that just made me feel really good. I like, I think any anything in my head that was kind of left over from like, ooh, the last time I drove, it was in an accident or something. It's just, I don't know, we had a good laugh of undoing the curse and I, I think the air was kind of cleared and I feel really good about it. And I'm, I'm excited, I have a new car and I can finally... I don't have to walk to work anymore. I don't have to walk to the store. I don't have to Uber into the city. And um, overall, overall, like three out of 10 experience <laughs> for buying a car. But I think the the journey that really experience wise, you know, in reflection now, I think it, it really did help build some, I don't want to say build character. That's so cliche. But I really did think that the adversity I faced um, in in this whole experience really did help me feel more confident in, you know, if I ever have to buy a car again or do something like this, or I don't know, it's just a good experience I had. And a lot of different things sucked, but that's kind of, that's kind of how life works is there's a lot of unexpected things, especially in uh, the troubling times of 2022, where COVID continues to uh, test me in mysterious ways. So anyways, that's, that's the end of the story. Um, thank you for listening. We're we're close to two hours now. I've never done a podcast this long. Hope I don't want to say. Hopefully, I never do one again. Cause I, I don't want to say that. I kind of liked you know this whole long storytelling arc. But are you still listening? I don't know. I don't. I feel like most people. Well, I don't want to say most people don't listen to the full hour. But I mean, it's an hour. It's two hours. That's a lot of time, especially for. I mean, I don't think anyone just sits down and. Oh yes, I get to listen to Jacques this week. You know, it's so. Um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing while listening to this, I. I truthfully do appreciate it if you made it this far and listened to my whole story. And um, yeah, I just stay safe. I, I hope no one else has to go through um, this whole ordeal like I did. I hope if you ever buy a car, it's a lot smoother sailing. I would definitely recommend buying a car in state, especially if you live in the state of Massachusetts. Or the, I keep saying state. I, I just feel so, it's so funny to call it the Commonwealth of Massachusetts because it feels so hoity-toity when, when they like, depict it like that like there's something special with a commonwealth yeah i'm common where's my wealth that's what i gotta say but anyways okay yeah thanks thanks for listening and stay safe stay stay healthy i hope no one else out there's getting covid i know i i heard i've heard of a couple of people getting it so maybe there's another wave coming around i don't know but stay healthy stay safe and stay i don't know stay fresh i guess next week I've said for two straight weeks that next week I'm going to be coming back to you with a normal episode. So will next week be normal? I don't I don't know. We'll find out. I, I think it will be, but stuff happens. Maybe I'll have to buy a new car in the next week or I don't know. I, th- I think last week it was great having a guest in Julius. I kind of want to do it again. So maybe maybe I'll have Camille next week come on and talk about uh, uh, the car ride while it's fresh or I, I don't know. I've got stuff planned no matter what ends up happening over the course of the next week. So we're good. But anyways, with that, thanks again for listening. I will talk to you guys again next week. And 
have a great have a great week or whatever you're having right now <laughs> all right peace out <laughs>